mainly for widowers who are poor or who cannot look after themselves. My father ended up in one of these shelters in Florida. A wealthy woman who had put her career first chose him. Older now, she wanted a mate. They sent him to her, somewhere in Texas. I lost track of him. The nearest children's shelter is in a different county. My room has a sealed window that faces the road, and when I turn off my light, I can see men like black stars in their bright rooms. I watch them move in their small spaces. I wonder what my new husband will be like. There are so many handouts and packets. We have been given schedules and rules, and also suggestions for improving our lives and looks. It's like a spa facility on lockdown. We are encouraged to take cooking classes, sewing classes, knitting classes, gardening classes, conceiving classes, body bounce-back-from-pregnancy classes, child-rearing classes, feminine assertiveness classes, jogging classes, nutrition classes, home economics. There are bedroom technique potlucks and mandatory moving-on seminars. In my first Moving On for Widows seminar, we are given a manual of helpful exercises and visualizations. For one, I'm to remember seeing my husband for the first time. We met at a new hire's lunch. And then, imagine the moment happening differently. So, for example, rather than sitting next to him and knocking his water onto his welcome packet, I should visualize walking right by him and sitting alone. Or, if I let myself sit down and spill his water, instead of him laughing and our hands tangling in the nervous cleanup, I should picture him yelling at me for my clumsiness. I'm supposed to pretend our wedding day was lonely and that rather than feeling love and happiness, I felt doubt, dread. It's all very hard. But they say it's helpful in getting placed. What I find funny is that since my husband died, as he was dying really, I hadn't considered that this might be hard. I thought it was just the next step. My case manager says that this is normal and that the feeling of detachment comes from shock. She says that if I can hold on to it and skip over the bewildering grief that follows, I'll be better off. The grief-stricken spend more time here, years in some cases. Practice, 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 she always says. We're each given a framed picture of a man, some model, and I take it back to my cell and put it by my bed as instructed. I'm supposed to replace my husband's face in my memory with this man's face, while being careful not to get too attached. The man in the photo won't be my new husband. The man is too smooth. His teeth are very straight and white, and there is a glistening in his hair from gel that has hardened. I can tell he probably uses a brand of soap I would hate the smell of. He looks as though he doesn't need to shave every day. My husband had a beard. But I remind myself, that doesn't matter now. What I prefer is no longer of concern.
We are allowed outside for an hour each day, into a fenced pen off the north wing. It is full of plastic lawn chairs, and the women who have been here a while push to get chairs in the sun. They undress down to their underwear and work on their tans. Other women beeline to an aerobics class in the far corner. The fences are topped with barbed wire. Guards sit in booths and observe. So far, I've just walked inside the perimeter and looked through the chain link. The land beyond is raised, save for the occasional stubborn stump. Weeds and thorny bushes grow everywhere. This is a newer facility. Decades from now, perhaps young trees will shade it, which I think would make it cozier. Far off, the forest is visible. A shaky line.